Bricks and Bricks. Today's, uh, today is August 20th. Um, glad to be here. If you'd like to join my text line community, 314-370-2871. That's my personal text line community. So what you'll see there is you'll get tips and tricks on business technology. You might even get some cryptocurrency um, tidbits here and there. Um, crypto is one of my big hobbies. So anyway, we're going to jump right into today's episode. NFTs hit the mainstream. Um, where is that article? Yeah. So the World Wide Web source code. If you know what this is, it's the um, ARPANET, basically, I think, uh, would be what they're talking about here. Originally, there was some guys, there's programmers that wrote the source code for what the internet is today. And they took that information, they took that Tim Berner Lee, Tim Berners Lee, sold the source code for the original internet for $5.4 million. He sold it as an NFT. So this means that they don't own the source code to the internet. It's, um, I guess Tim Burton did, but he gave it to the world, right? Um, but they have a, a digital representation of the fact that they own the source code for the internet, which is pretty cool stuff. And they sold it as an NFT. Where the, the cool thing is that this is Sotheby's auction house um, has adopted NFTs already. So NFTs, non-fungible tokens, have been widely adopted very, very quickly in our marketplace. It's growing faster than anything else has ever grown. So if you want to look for opportunities in the world today, there are a ton of opportunities in the NFT world. Most NFTs are going to crash and burn and fail, but there's going to be some like the Tops NFTs and the Sotheby's, you know, adopting um, NFTs. Learn the blockchain, get used to this stuff. There's not going to be in 10 years from now, there's not going to be a single, a single ticket sold in this world that's not an NFT that you don't have some kind of um, non-fungible token associated to that physical asset. We're talking about movie tickets, we're talking about concert tickets, we're talking about art, we're talking about entertainment, we're talking about um, even time and material, maybe even from your plumber, right? I, I purchased this NFT that shows that I have the rights to have this person come over and fix my stuff for an hour. Smart contracts are a phenomenal resource and for the world, and we've not even seen, we've not even scratched the surface on what they can bring and the, the how fast it's being adopted and how fast it's growing um, it says something pretty wild. I don't, I don't know what it says, but I think uh, it's not something to be ignored. Jump in, learn as much as you can. Don't start spending money on CryptoPunks and uh, Axies Infinity Cats and shit like that. Don't, don't jump in and start spending your money on NFTs right now. Uh, learn what you can. Invest in projects that you think really have um, some momentum people that you believe are behind the project that are gonna make sure that it stays and moves forward. Uh, Gary V's got V friends. And if you know anything about Gary, you know he's gonna hustle and make sure that those V friends hold value for a long time. Um, crypto punks are gonna be there for a long time too, but I think it's a little bit more of a fad. It was the first to market and that's why they're valuable. So be careful if you're investing in NFTs. Um, but definitely take some time to research it. Spend 10, 20, 30 hours on YouTube, watch the videos, maybe do some Udemy classes, get this stuff under your belt because you're gonna need to know this if you're in the IT world or any kind of world later, you know, five, 10 years from now, any industry is gonna need to know about NFTs. Moving on to our next topic, Stingray 
and 5G. So Stingray is a type of exposure that you have on the wireless networks today on LTE. And I'm not going to go into details about explaining Stingray surveillance securities, but Stingrays are a way that hackers can listen in or view your data when you're on the Wi-Fi on the LTE networks, the 4G networks. And 5G was touting that they're going to solve that problem, that it's that it has the security in place that doesn't that deters against Stingray uh, surveillance, which is great. And true 5G does, right? But what the what they're not telling us is that they are piggybacking on the infrastructure of the 4G network. So what you're getting in the new 5G when you have 5G doesn't mean that you necessarily have 5G. And if you've been hearing about the 5G network coming out, you've probably only heard these great speeds, right? You've not heard about security very much. Security is a big piece of the 5G network that they're rolling into it. However, today's deployments don't always have it because they're taking shortcuts, deploying 5G on 4G infrastructure, giving you the speeds, saying that it's 5G, but it's really not. Um, and the and the features that are that are being held out are the the security features, which is horrible, right? Like the the world wants faster speeds, but when you start talking about security. And I know this all too well, and we're going to talk a little bit more about security here in a little bit. We've got a, a really nice offer for you. Um, people don't seem to give a shit about security anymore. They're like, yeah, I've been hacked. The hackers have my information, and I'm fine. I'm living. No big deal. It's, it's so bizarre that people are just letting their identities be frolicked through on the Internet. So they don't seem to care very much about security until they're dealing with it, right? So they're dealing with the repercussions of not having their shit secured. So anyway, it's a sad, it's a sad state of affairs that we're in this boat, uh, that we're being, but you know, we're always being lied to by big companies. It happens. Just, I guess we just accept it. Um, but do your research and know what you're doing, right? If you think you're on a 5G network, you might, and that you, and you've read that that has security features, it might not. So you still want to make sure that you're running your own local firewalls and your only antivirus and all of those things um, on your device. And that's just my best advice. Make sure that it's backed up. Make sure that you are changing your passwords frequently. Make sure um, that you're not jumping on wi random Wi-Fi access points, right? Don't, don't. If you have an LTE network and you're at Starbucks, don't jump on Starbucks's Wi-Fi. There's no need. You don't know. You don't really know that Starbucks is Wi-Fi, um, so it's just be, it could be the dude next to you that, that named his device Starbucks. So anyway, uh, we're close to the halfway point. The rest of this segment's brought to you by Enlink.com. Rapport made easy. My Enlink.com account is Enlink.com forward slash Ken. If you go to that URL, you'll see all of my social media profiles, links to our website, links to my personal websites, links to my social media, and my business social media as well. Um, Inlink.com is the only one that has the, both the Facebook personal and business profile along with um, Inlink or LinkedIn's personal and business page. Moving on to the next topic. SpaceX Starlink satellite is responsible for over half of the close encounters in orbit. So this, these are some pretty crazy stats, right? Starlink satellites might soon be involved in 90% of close encounters between two spacecrafts in low Earth orbit. I don't even know how many ships they have. But 1,600 close encounters per week in space. That's 30,000 
roughly 30,000 pieces of debris in space in low Earth orbit right now um, that are above four inches in size. So whoever whoever's tracking that, who is tracking that? The space junk cleanup. Right? I mean, these things have to do with um, you know, who's responsible for this long term, right? Is Musk going to have to go out there with the big space broom and clean all this shit out? Or, you know, what's going to happen? And right now, I don't think it's a huge, huge deal. They're tracking all these pieces, but this problem isn't getting smaller of, of space junk. It's only going to get bigger. And Musk is putting satellites up at a breakneck speed. We've never had satellites going up at the rate that we have them going up right now. I think he's sitting up like 50 at a time at, at times, right? So it's pretty wild. All in an effort to get the world the internet. I'm not sure if that makes the world a better place or not. I think it does long term. Better connectivity, better communication, all those things. But, you know, who's responsible for cleaning up space junk when it's all said and done? And <laughs> Sean says he is. Uh, Sean's our new producer, by the way. Um, so who, who's responsible for that? And then... And then is the government making them do some kind of escrow account to make sure that the funds are there? Like when you send something into space, there's no mitigation for how do you get that stuff out of space? What happens to it long term? Yeah, so I, I, yeah, it would be an international issue. Like the world, it's a world issue, and and how do you solve that? And I, right now, I think it's if I send something to space. I can leave it there forever. I don't have any any long-term repercussions at all. So that's pretty wild. You can't do that in any other industry, right? If I, the oil companies, if they spill a bunch of oil in the ocean, they got to clean that shit up. So I think, um, I don't know what the problems are going to be long-term, but it definitely seems like there's going to be a problem. And I don't know. I mean, most of that stuff, if it does come back into orbit, it's just going to disintegrate, right? So, and I wonder, there's probably later going to be some kind of weird deaths from falling objects ratio. Yeah, and then, um, you know, then who's responsible for that? When, when satellites start falling out of the sky and killing people, then then it'll be a problem. But that's like so, the world's mostly water, right? It's like a chance of getting hit with a golf ball on a golf course. It's probably less than that even, right? If you ever play golf, it's kind of hard, right? The first couple times you think you're gonna get hit, and then you realize you're never gonna get hit. Those people can't hit shit, so. Anyway, moving on <laughs> to the next stop. Um, this one's kind of fun. Green Bay Packers, right? They're not the biggest team. I think they're the smallest franchise or one of the smaller smaller markets. Um, but last month, they were the most viewed, or not, there was a website, a website. I don't even know. They don't even say in this article what the website was. But what the website does is it lets you book events with former Green Bay Packers fans. And it was the most clicked on link in Facebook last month. Out of everything on the internet, Facebook links out to, and they track, you know, what, how many times somebody links out. And this information is pretty new on Facebook. The, the total reach outside of Facebook is a new, a new uh, statistic that they're providing for us. But 87.2 million views to an obscure website Devoted to charging people to hang out with former Packers players. Great business model, right? So just hang out with former Packers players. I'm just, I, I'm shocked that it's the most clicked on link. Yes, you got to pay to hang out with the Packers player, right? You can't just, you can't just go and like get that for free, I don't think. But um, 
Yeah, this is absolutely insane. But the, the key here is that Facebook is offering new reach um, statistics with inside their platform. And they're saying, before they were saying, it's most marketers will go on, um, why am I blanking on the word? Interactions, right? When people are interacting with posts, that's really what you want. You want a highly interactive post because that gets a lot of traction. Facebook said their official stance is that you should really look at how many people see your ad or see your content, not interact with it. And although, yes, the amount of eyeballs that see your content is important, the amount of people that interact with it is more important because if you can get people interacting with your content, what that means is they're showing it to other people and it costs you nothing. So yeah, Facebook's gonna say it only matters how many people see it so you can dump cash into their, to their ATM machine that pays Zuck. But uh, at the end of the day, if you can write content or make posts that people interact with, that's better for your business because you'll get free eyeballs, right? Everybody, anybody can pay for eyeballs, that's easy. It, the, the trick is creating content that people wanna share that's relevant to your business and will get your brand in front of people and cost you no, no financial um, cost, right? It's just your intellectual property and your brain cycles that it took to come up with whatever that post was. So, second to the last topic for today is, is your password on the dark web after the T-Mobile data breach? The answer is probably yes. <laughs> the answer is probably yes. So what Hosterian is doing is we're gonna offer a free deep web scan. And Sean's gonna throw the URL right up there now. Uh, if you go to hosterian.com forward slash, that's not the right one, dark web scan, you fill that out, you give us your name, email address, and phone number, and we will perform a deep uh, dark web scan for you. And what that dark web scan will do is it will show you, um, well, you'll give us your email address and your company name and all that stuff, and it's gonna look all over the dark web for your domain name and email addresses and see if there's any matches and then show you what those matches are. Sometimes they're bogus, a lot of times they're bogus, um, but it's a pretty cool source resource that we have. And then you can at least have a list of passwords, usernames and passwords that you know are exploited and published on the dark web so you can start changing those, right? I found out when we did a scan for me that the username and password that I used for my banking account was on the dark web, totally accessible, and it was absolutely my username and password that I used to log into my bank, or used to log into my bank. And I've been using it for about 20 years. So, um, you know, if I, I changed it, maybe, maybe I prevented something, maybe I didn't, who knows. Um, but it was there for anybody to see, right? And it's, if you know how to do the search, the dark web scans, uh, do it yourself. If not, we're offering the first scan for free to anybody that goes to hosterian.com forward slash uh, dark web scan. Or if you go to hosterian.com at the top right, there's a little search bar. Just type uh, dark web there and it'll bring you to the form that you can fill out. The first scan is absolutely free. They're normally a uh, hundred bucks a scan, depending on the size of your business after that. So it's a hundred dollar value to you, absolutely free. The other thing that you can use um, to, to at least help you manage your passwords, and this, you know, the article that I have here says, you know, you can use Mozilla's Fire. Uh, Mozilla has a, a password manager. I really like Google's password manager. I've been moving to the Google password manager now for several years. I use a program called LastPass is what I was using, and I've been using that probably for 10 or 15 years. I've been moving over to Google's password manager because I like it better. It's it's more integrated into the more things that I do. But um, at the end of the day, 
a password manager will save your life. If you if every use if every website that you have has a different username and password, you will be much safer in the world. And the only way to do that is with a password manager. And the password managers will also do checkups, right? It will it will check and see, you know, are you, do you have duplicate passwords? Do you have easy passwords to hack? We'll give you recommendations and suggestions. And Google's is really nice. Mozilla has one too. Um, if you just go to Google and you type in, you know, a password manager service, you'll find a whole bunch of them. But I, I highly recommend Google's. It's it's really really nice. And then our last topic for today, we are running short on time, is into the metaverse. Uh, Zuck and Facebook. I know we've talked a little bit about Facebook today. It seems to keep coming up. Um, and this falls into everything that we've talked about so far today. Really, is Zuck has announced that they are going that Facebook is now no longer a social media company, but they are a metaverse company. That that's what they're going to be focusing on. And they launched this first, I forget the name of the, the first deployment, but it's basically, um, it's they partnered with Oculus. So the Oculus headset is what you could use to get into uh, Facebook's metaverse. But right now it's like a stuffy-ass conference room. So you put this on, you turn yourself into a cartoon, and you can sit in an office and meet with your colleagues. And it's really for... for um, to overcome that, hey, I'm working from home and I'm bored and I don't have other people to hang out with, is their, is their thought process. But it's got to be the most boring damn deployment of a metaverse with, uh, with, with VR that Facebook could have done, right? They're, Facebook has always started residential or college and then, then went to business. And the fact that they're starting with the business here um, is a little... Oh, it's Facebook Horizons. Or face Horizon or Horizons, Horizon. Horizon, Facebook Horizon, and if you have an Oculus, it's, it's um, I I don't have Oculus, so I don't know. I've not had firsthand experience, uh, but I've seen some videos. It's almost like a like a virtual reality Sims that uh, <laughs> you can jump in in a, in a conference room. There's like a billion other ways that you could do that, right? Like uh, a roller coaster would be better, right? But I mean, Facebook's trying something different. You can't knock them for that. Uh, but they made this metaverse, and I've seen a lot of, they've got a lot of flack over it, which is crazy. And people think, like, the one article that I read was such so ridiculous. It said, you know, Facebook shouldn't be in charge of the metaverse. Well, it's Facebook's metaverse. They can be in charge of it. Like, it's no different than, um, you know, I was going to do a story on Roblox today, and which is crazy. It's a different metaverse. Uh, it's for primarily kids. It's one of the most popular games in the internet, or the world right now. It's the most popular game played by kids in the United States by far. Um, and that's Roblox. I know it's a different topic, but it's a metaverse along with, uh, I mean, Fortnite's a metaverse. Halo is a metaverse. Uh, World of Warcraft is a metaverse, right? These are all universes that have been created and gamified and put out to you. But what Zuckerberg's talking about is virtual reality, augmented reality, and real world all meeting together into one cohesive thing. I believe that that is the future of the internet. And with NFTs and the blockchain, the new hardware and the VR chips and the, uh, the artificial intelligence chips that are coming out, I believe this is, is we're, we're headed for a break, at breakneck speeds, this technology is gonna come at us. And it's gonna come at us really, really fast. And it's gonna be adopted in multiple different ways. Uh, metaverses are going to come, metaverses are going to go, right? They're, they're just like it always has. Um, you know, even Among Us is a, is a tiny little, a micro metaverse, right? So 
this is in your future, people. Get used to it. Adopt it. Learn from it. Uh, do not be the person sitting here thinking, oh, that's just for kids because I, it's not going to be for, just for kids for long. Your job's going to require it um, to, for, to, to do meetings and stuff, right? This is the next version of working from home is not going to be Zoom. It's going to be your, um, your avatar, which could look just like you going to these meetings. And the cool thing is if you watched the other day's episode, you can even put some of your own AI into that and you can have your uh, artificial person show up to your meetings on your behalf while you're at the beach. If you want to trust them, I'm not going to trust them. I think I'll have to be there. Depends on the meeting. <laughs> Depends on what you're doing. There are a lot of tasks that probably I could send my artificial intelligence person in the metaverse into a meeting and have it on my behalf and be okay with it. And it just comes back and gives me the rundown. Like uh, vendor meetings and shit like that where it's just, hey, the only thing I really need is the price. I, I know the service. I don't need to know anything else. I just need to know the price. I could send my metaverse guy. They can have a meeting with, either with their real person or their metaverse person and come back to me and just give me the information. I can make the decision. Yeah, I don't know. People like to see stuff. I don't, I don't, I don't know. It's going to be weird. It's going to be fun, though. Um, I'm going to try to do my best to run face first, head first into it and uh, learn as much as I possibly can. The opportunities to make money here, folks, are outstanding. Uh, careers will be made. Um, a lot of stuff is gonna be created. Um, and the tools to make this stuff today are phenomenal. So get to it. That's it for today's show, folks. If you wanna, again, if you wanna join my text line community, 314-370-2871, get to work. <laughs>